Hey, do me a favor this morning. Those of you gathered here in this room from all three of our Mission Hill campuses, will you welcome those who are joining us online? Such a great family day to be together and to start the new year together. Take your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We were led in worship by the worship pastors from all three of our campus. Uh, aren't you grateful for the skills, the talent that God has given us at Mission Hill to lead us in musical worship? Man, what a sweet time together. I, I want you to think about something. Suppose you knew that you were near the end. Your days were drawing to a close. And you had a message that you were going to send to someone who was among those closest to you. What would the message be? I know in my life, as I think about the people I love the most, I think it would probably be something like this. Come see me. And when I said that, it wouldn't be like we sometimes say when we pass each other in the hallway, let's do lunch, or let's catch up, or let's hang out. And what we're really meaning is if we get the chance, and if it's convenient, and if it works for both of our schedules. No, I think in that moment, I would say, please come see me. That's the sentiment expressed in 2 Timothy in chapter 4, is Paul is writing to Timothy from a Roman prison cell, likely a cold, dark dungeon. Hopefully by next week I will announce the dates in mid-August that you can journey with me as we take the journeys of Paul and we see some of these places where he wrote to us from. Paul wanted to go to Rome as a preacher we know that from the very first chapter of the book of Romans that we've been walking through. But instead, he went as a prisoner. But it's interesting, though that was not his plan, God used that time in his life because it was from that Roman dungeon that Paul wrote to us the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy. This great man of God, this missionary who had traveled the known world, was used of God even though God's plans were different than his. How many of you know that God's plans are always better than ours? 
Paul would tell us in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What a way to live, to go into a new year saying, God, whatever you send my way, let it be used in my life in such a way that your kingdom advances, that the gospel around me proceeds, that the nations give you greater glory. So Paul's writing to the one he would call his son in the ministry. And we know from history these may be his very last words. Second Timothy is likely the last writing of the Apostle Paul. So as we come to the end of Second Timothy in chapter 4, these may be the last words that this great apostle has written. In chapter 4, he has just challenged Timothy literally to faithfully discharge all the duties of ministry. So those of us, like Timothy, who are in the gospel ministry, we look to passages like these to be reminded of the lives that we shall live, that we should faithfully discharge, that we should do that which God has called us, that he has created us to do. But now he gets very personal. This is the word of God, beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Sometimes we read the scriptures and it's hard to understand. This is not intended to be mysterious. Being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, when the glass is empty, it's done. It's over. The time for my departure is near. And then these familiar words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, and he's gone to Thessalonica, and Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia, and only Luke is with me. Get Mark. Bring him with you. Because he's helpful to me in ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. And my scrolls, especially the parchments. And then look down in verse 21. Do your best to get here before winter. As it says in the King James, do your best to come before winter. Let's pray together. So, Father, once more we have gathered in the name of Jesus, reading your perfect word that we believe cuts to the very marrow of our bones, and we ask you to speak now giving us what we need that we've not yet gained, teaching us what we need to learn, continuing to mold us and shape us into your image. Lord, I read even this morning that you created us, man and woman, in your image. Lord, we are your image bearers. 
And so now as we seek to be conformed more and more into your likeness, would you do so for your glory? Lord, I pray that my words and thoughts would be pleasing to you. And Holy Spirit, as only you can call, would you call someone who's hearing these words to salvation? Because we believe today is the day of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Life comes to us in seasons, right? We just experienced winter. It lasted three days in Florida. But like the seasons on the calendar year, life has its seasons. We experience the youthfulness of spring where we have energy and it seems like we can never tire. And then we move into the maturing days of summer, the harvest season of life where we work hard and we gain our education and career and our families. And then we hit that stage, I don't know, in the 40s, but certainly once you're 50 and things are beginning to change and they're falling and it's fall in our lives and then comes winter we could call that the fourth quarter right the great coach Bobby Bowden someone came up to him late in life and they said coach you're in the fourth quarter he said yes but I'm praying for overtime (laughs) but these are the seasons of life Paul understood this because he knew he was in the fourth quarter. He knew he was headed to winter. And so when he's talking to his son in the ministry, when he's talking to Timothy, he would say, I want to see you, son. Come quickly, but come before winter. And pastors, for the best I can tell, decades have used that simple phrase to challenge churches like I'm challenging us today to think about those things that we need to act on with urgency, those things that we need to do in our life because our time is limited and our tasks are unfinished, those reasons we need to come before winter. Paul knew his ultimate fate. He knew he would give his life for the faith that he professed. Do you understand that people still do that in our world today? Usually not in this nation, but in other parts of the world, there are Christ followers who, because of their stand for Jesus, they pay that ultimate sacrifice. In fact, there were more Christian martyrs in the last year than there have been in the previous hundred years. Paul knew that he would be beheaded by that evil emperor Nero. And so he was trying to do what the psalmist had taught in Psalm 90, 12. This would be a good one for you to write down as you begin the year. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Paul knew he had limited time. He was saying, God's got a stopwatch. And I can hear the final seconds ticking away. Look at the words he uses in verses 6 And seven, I'm already being poured out. The time for my departure is near. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's talking in the past tense. He's saying, if 
If you're going to come see me, Timothy, you've got to understand that the doors of opportunity are starting to close. Paul knew that his time was limited, but Paul also knew he had unfinished tasks. Now, this is the great missionary, Apostle Paul, who had been on at least three missionary journeys around the world. He had started churches all over the world. (laughs) But I love how the book of Acts ends. In Acts chapter 28, at that time under house arrest, not in a dungeon like he is now, but under house arrest in Rome, it tells us that Paul boldly and without hindrance just continued to preach the gospel. We have every reason to believe that until his dying day, Paul kept the main thing, the main thing. He knew there were things that needed to be done, and he knew Timothy could help him get those done. And that's why in verses 4 and 5, he had said, hey, Timothy, beware, because they will turn their ears away from the truth. They will turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge the duties of your ministry. And there are many of us believe we're in those days today. We're in those days where people are turning away from truth, and embracing myth as if it were truth, preferring, as it says elsewhere in Scripture, to have their ears tickled than to come in a place like this and have Scripture taught as inerrant, infallible, irrefutable truth. What can we learn from what Paul is saying to young Timothy? Well, the first thing we can learn is that our time is limited. Like Sands in an hourglass. These are the days of our lives. Billy Graham was asked near the end of his life, what is the greatest surprise you found out about life? He was asked that by a university student, he said, and he said his answer was simple, the brevity of it. He almost lived to be 100 years old, and yet his answer of surprise was simple, the brevity of life. He said, I replied without hesitation. Time moves so quickly, and no matter who we are or what we've done, the time will come when our lives will be over. As Jesus said, as long as it is his day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. I don't want to depress you today, but I have something that may surprise you. In our country, life expectancy has decreased for the fourth year in a row. Now, certainly we went through a worldwide pandemic that had impact, but that should get our attention. Regardless of the figures, here's what we know. The death rate is still hovering around 100%. I've just read the latest statistics. One out of every one person dies. You can even look at your life as if it's a 24-hour period. Maybe this will get your attention. If you're 20 years old, it's, you were born at midnight. If you're 20 years old, it's 6.17 in the morning. If you're 30 years old, it's 9.28 a.m. If you're 40 years old, it's 12.38 p.m. If you're 50 years old, it's 3.47 p.m. If you're 60 years old, it's 6.56 in the evening. You're 70 years old, it's 10.06. 
If you're 75, it's 1141. The life expectancy in our nation as of last year was 76.1. By the way, that's 73.2 for men and 79.1 for ladies. Go figure. What this tells me is that whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your walk in life, your time is limited. But I don't think Paul was simply thinking about time. I think he was aware of opportunity. You can't read the writings of the apostle and not realize that as he said in Ephesians, there come moments when we need to seize the day. As he said, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, he was saying, Timothy, you you know, you can't come see me just whenever you want. If if you wait until winter to come see me, Timothy, you're going to be in a mess because you're going to have to travel by ship and and it's going to be difficult to get to me, those 1,200, 1,500 miles, depending on your route. If you come by ship in the winter storm season, it's going to be difficult. Last month, I traveled to Argentina. I was on the plane heading to Buenos Aires and realized that I was surrounded by people that were going on a cruise. They didn't know each other, but the tour company had put them all together, seated near me in the plane. They were touring Antarctica, leaving from the port. After I was there about three days, I saw on international news that an American tourist on the ship they were on lost their life because of an unusual wave that hit that cruise ship. Paul understood this because as we read the last couple of chapters of Acts, we learn that he knew what it was like to be shipwrecked. Remember, he was shipwrecked and he ended up on an island and he got snake bit. And just a reminder, I don't know what kind of year you had and what kind of year you think you're going to have, but just go read some of the Apostle Paul's resume. Go read the life of Job. There are others besides you that have had a rough go at things. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. So he understood the challenge of time. He was saying, if you don't come before winter, you'll likely have to wait for spring. And if you wait for spring, there's a good chance I won't be here because the clock is ticking. In a sense, he's saying it's now or never. You know, I... I'm older than some who are hearing these words. I'm not as old as others, but I recognize we're all in that same ship. The reality for all of us, our time is limited and our opportunities are disciplined. And we have to understand if we're going to act, now may be the time to do so. Now is the time to develop spiritual discipline. Now is the time to seriously attempt and achieve those goals. Now is the time to restore relationships that are broken in our little corner of the world. Now is the time to demonstrate obedience in areas of our life like baptism and stewardship and witnessing and discipline in the word. Now is the time. You may never have another opportunity like this. You may feel like Arthur felt in 1954, from when his friend Walter said to him, go on a ride with me. They left Los Angeles and they went on a ride about 45 minutes out into the middle of nowhere. 
There were little hamlets and villages, but no big city. And Walter looked at Arthur and he said, hey, I've got big dreams. I I think something phenomenal is going to happen here. People will come from all over the world to hang out right here. Arthur, if you are a wise man, buy up as much of this land as you can. Because in just a few years, it's going to be worth millions of dollars. Arthur says one of the biggest regrets of his life is not listening to Walter that day. Because Walter was actually Walt Disney. Arthur was actually Art Linkletter. Longtime friends. And on that day, Walt Disney had taken him 45 minutes outside of Los Angeles and he had shown him where the carousel would be and where the monorails would be and where roller coasters would be. And he said, hey, buy up everything you can. And Art Linkletter said, you're crazy. (laughs) He said, boy, was I a dummy. (laughs) Missed opportunities. What opportunities is God putting before you today that needs to be acted on? What door has God opened for you today that may not be open tomorrow? What what are you keeping putting off? Where are you procrastinating and not doing what you know God has told you to do? I want to remind you that delayed obedience is still disobedience. Our time is limited, but our tasks are also unfinished. This is true personally, and this is true as a church. There are things for us to do. See, time flies whether you're having fun or not. So we have to get busy. There are things we need to do right now before winter in our personal lives, with our health, in our relationships, with our stewardship, in our obedience. There are things we need to do as a church to to reach this community, to shine the light and love of Jesus in all three of these locations that God's given us. And who knows, he may open the door for yet more opportunities to serve him. Like Martin Luther King said, the fierce angst of now is what we need. This present moment. So I want us to look at this passage and I want to give you some things we can do while there's still time. All right? If I were you, I'd find a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, my two thumbs, something. And I'd write these things down because I think they're helpful. Number one. Be friendly while there's still time. You can't read chapter 4 of 2 Timothy and not see that Paul was keenly aware of the people around him. Those who had impacted and influenced his life. Did you hear him call their names? Did you see what he said? Come quickly. Demas, well, he loved this world. He deserted me. But then there are others that have just gone to other places. Christians and Titus. Oh, Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke's with me. Get Mark, bring him. When you get to the end of it, he continues to say that uh, down in, in verse 21. He says, Eubius greets you, so does Prudence, Linus, and Claudia. He was aware of those that God placed in his little corner of the world. Are you aware of your friends? Now, let me give you a little lesson right here. Maybe it's a newsflash. You don't have as many friends as it says on Facebook. (laughs) 
Because a, a friend is somebody that walks in when everybody else walks out. Someone put it this way, in prosperity, our friends know us, but in adversity, we know our friends. The wisest one who ever lived, Solomon, said this in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Or in the King James, a, a friend must show himself what? Friendly. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Brother. You can't walk the path I've walked and not stand with people at the end of the life and fail to recognize that no matter who you are, there's only room for about six people around that hospital bed. Wise individuals have said you're a fortunate person if you get to the end of your life and you truly have five friends. Paul was aware of those who had impacted his life. And he understood that we were better together. And so he wanted to be with those who had impacted his life. Let, let me ask you, who has God put around you to change you, to cheer you on, to comfort you, to challenge you? Who are those people that will be there with you? Are you investing in them? By the way, I want to keep this positive, but I just want to remind you, he wasn't in the dark either. He said, come to me quickly because Demas, he got lily-livered and ran away. He, he loved the world. You know, God's word says on several occasions, another example is in Titus, there comes a time when people are divisive, when they're sowing seeds of discord, when they're not helpful to you. Sometimes you just need to wash your hands. Shake off the dust and, and walk away. Some of you need to choose better friends. Be friendly while there's still time. Number two, forgive while there is still time. Forgive while there is still time. There's an interesting thing that happens here. Paul tells Timothy, oh, would you go get Mark? Now, why is that so significant? Why would Paul tell Timothy to get Mark? This is Mark who, who wrote the gospel. This is Mark who was influential in the early church. This is Mark who, along with Barnabas, had done the missionary journeys with Paul until there was a disagreement. And isn't it interesting that Scripture teaches that Barnabas, the one who had stood for Paul, had been the encourager to Paul, that they had a disagreement and he walked away and Mark went with him and Paul went another direction. But Paul understood something that maybe some of you need to understand. When you're facing winter, you'd be surprised at the things that don't matter anymore. Say this with me, it's just not that big of a deal. Say that. Yeah, some of you have let relationships sour or even se sever over things that are just not that big of a deal. You need to find a way to forgive. You've let that root of bitterness grow up within you, and all that does is eat away at you. 
That's why Paul would say in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Are you a forgiving person? Do you need to forgive someone? There's some conversations that need to be had. Maybe some difficult conversations. But you don't want to go into winter with those broken relationships in that way. Be friendly while there's still time. Forgive while there is time. Oh, but be faithful while there's time. See, Paul knew there's work to be done, so this son in the ministry that he had mentored, he brings him into the fold, and he lets him know, hey, there are some things that I want you to hold on to. There are some things I need you to do. There's work that needs to be done. You must be faithful. So I'm going to take from some things Paul said and give you some practical things, four ways you can grow in your faithfulness. The first is a little bit of a stretch, but remember when when Paul said, hey, go by and pick up my cloak. Now, what is that? His, it's his coat. It's his outer garment. Now, Paul is in a prison, dark dungeon. This is not a trick question. Why does he need a coat? Because he's cold. And winter's coming. Here's what I want you to do. Experience the warmth and the covering of the body of Christ. That's a way you can grow in your faithfulness. Don't forsake this. COVID was an evil disease. A lot of us watched loved ones suffer, sometimes even from afar, because of that disease. But physical illness was not the only impact of COVID. Just ask our school teachers. Just ask our pastors. People are staying away from church. Years later, they've gotten out of the habit. They failed to understand the importance of the body. Why do we need one another? The writer of Hebrews tells us, beginning in verse 24 of chapter 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, I'm going to commend you because those of you who are here, you, you're beginning this day and what a great crowd beginning this day, 2023 in worship, but keep it up. We need each other. This isn't a once a month or a once every few times a year kind of opportunity. We need each other every week to be spurred on and encouraged and motivated and told that we can continue and encouraged to keep on keeping on in our faith. Please hear this with the love of a pastor shepherd. Some of you have grown cold, but it's because you've walked away from the covering that's intended in the body of Christ. You weren't created as Christ's followers to do this alone. 
We need each other. Experience the warmth and the covering of the body of Christ. But secondly, plan to spend regular time in the Word. You want to grow in faithfulness? You can't do it apart from spending time in this book. And we live in a time in history where it's never been easier to get in the book. Did you know that this morning early, my eyes did not want to get up and open, but early this morning, I started a new reading plan. I'm again going through the McShane plan. I'm using version on my phone. And did you know that all I had to do is say, start that? And it gives me an opportunity to start reading passages of Scripture. After I read today's reading, you know what it said? Do you want a reminder every day? And I said, no. But then I checked, yes. <laughs> and so it said 6.30. And so then I changed it to 7.30 like a good Christian should. I'm just telling you, this is not hard. I don't know what you need. We all learn in different ways. Did you know that that app I just mentioned that's free, by the way, it was developed by a church most of the translations, you can press a play button and just listen to the daily readings. Now, don't try that right now because every time I mention that, somebody does that and they can't get their phone off once it starts reading out loud in church. Isn't that right, Mr. Buckley? But <laughs> that's true. There's no reason not to get in the Word of God. I like what Billy Graham did. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day, and you'll read through the Proverbs every month. Read five Psalms every day. You'll read through the Psalms every month. You know what that's called in the Bible for those of us who study scriptures? It's called wisdom literature. Let me see your hands if you need more wisdom. Get in the book. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Again, we're just doing surgery this morning, not trying to be harsh. But some of us have been followers of Christ for decades, and we're not correctly handling the word of truth. You can't handle the book if you're never in the book. Plan to spend regular time in the Word. Number three, be prepared and expect to hear from God. Oh, by the way, why did I say that about the Word? Because Paul said, bring the parchments. What were the parchments? It was the Word. He was saying, bring my copy of probably the Psalms. I want to read again what King David had to say. So regular time in the Word. But then be prepared and expect to hear from God. Now, why would I say to hear from God? Because he also asked for something to write on. And what do we know that Paul would write down? <laughs> well, most of the New Testament he wrote down with his pen inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So here he is, winter's coming, the clock is ticking, he knows he's near the end, and he's saying, what else you got for me, Lord? Man, is that your attitude? That's what I want out of this year. God, teach me those things that I haven't learned. Give me those things I don't have. Make me somebody different. I don't want to be the same old Paul. I want to be more like you, Jesus. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. I would encourage you, plan to be able to answer this question every day. 
And then here's my challenge. Don't duck from me if you see me in Publix or Walgreens. But if I see you, I may ask you this. What is God teaching you? And every follower of Jesus Christ should be able to answer that question. Sometimes it's hard to answer because it's hard truth. But we have to be prepared to answer. We're talking about what it takes to grow in our faithfulness. We experience the warmth and the covering that comes from the body of Christ. We plan to spend regular time in the Word. We prepare and expect to hear from God. But then we invest in others. And at the end of this chapter, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul in this last will and testament, and you see it's all about other people. We live in a world that is obsessed with self. And everybody's concerned with their platform, their followers. I've said this several times over the Christmas week, but we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even like. And yet there are people around us that just need the love of God that can flow through us. You want to grow in faithfulness. Start investing in other people. First John says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I'm grateful to have all of our campuses here today. Some of you may not be aware that every week on our six-mile campus, on Friday evenings, we serve a hot meal. We give away clothing and food. And then we have teams that go out onto the streets and serve the homeless hot meals. And you could do that. Some of you do, but a lot more of you could. You may not be aware that I often say four days a week we've got more Muslims on our campus than we do Christ followers because we're teaching them English here on our central campus. And did you know we need people just to hang out with them? Think about Miss Tammy Ruck who does that regularly just as a volunteer. She's not paid to do that. And I see her meeting people up here on our campus. Then I look on Facebook and she's meeting them at a park, just spending time with them. You know why she's doing that? She's just wanting to shine the light and love of Jesus in a practical way with no strings attached. Who are you investing in? Another way to ask that is who's your one? Who's the one person you're praying for asking God to save? Who's the one person that you're consistently inviting to church? I mean, just look around at this full room. What if all of us just invited one person to join us in worship next week on each of our campuses? What a difference it could make. But we're not investing. Well, there's one more thing. It's a bonus you need to do if you want to be faithful. <laughs> you need to be saved. Some of you need to understand that winter's coming and you've toyed with this spiritual journey and you've done some religion and you've tried some rituals but in your heart you know you've never begun a relationship with God you've never abandoned the control of your life and surrendered to him you've never said Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Like sands in the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. Passing through and passing by, whether we like it or not. One day closer to eternity. What are you going to do before winter? What are you going to do before it's too late? What are you going to do while there's still time? Let's bow our heads together in prayer. a moment we're going to sing that song in worship Lord I need you oh I need you Lord there's going to be a way to respond for every one of us here there'll be pastors that are standing at the front of this room if you just want to pray with someone but because there's probably no better way to begin a year than on our knees I'm also going to invite you if you feel led just to come and pray maybe just to make this a moment of commitment before the Lord if you are a Christ follower. But there are a lot of you here who've never begun that relationship with Christ. And as I try to say regularly, it, it doesn't make you a bad person, but it does mean you're lost. You need to be found. You need to be saved. See, the Bible says that every one of us are born separated from God. That's because of sin. And sin's not just something we've done. It's who we are. And if it's left undealt with, the Bible says, I just read about this. I just read about this as we ended the book of the Revelation. The Bible says that if that's left undealt with, my name will not be in the book of life. And like Satan and his demons, I will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's not fun to talk about, but that's truth from God's word. And God doesn't want that for you. And that's why it says in Romans 5, God demonstrates his love and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, he came to die. He came to take your punishment. He came to give you the opportunity to be saved, but you've got to look to him. You've got to stop trying to do it on your own. You've got to resign as the boss of your life. The Bible calls it repentance. You're turning away from the direction that you're headed, and you're turning to him. And if you've never done that, once and for all, here's what I believe. Today is the day of your salvation. And because I believe that so strongly today, I want to give you a very clear way just to come and to pray with someone to get that right. When I finish praying in just a moment, I'm going to be standing here along with the pastors who are already here. And if you need that relationship with God, just like churches did for decades, I'm just going to tell you, as we begin to sing, after we've stood, you begin to walk down. You take one of our hands, and this is what you need to say. Remember I said today is the day of our salvation. Here's what you need to say. Pastor, I need to be saved. Pastor Zach, I need to be saved. Pastor Paul, I need to be saved. Pastor Nick, I need to be saved. Pastor Gary, I need to be saved. It's going to take a step of boldness. But you're going to have some freedom because there's going to be other Christ followers that are standing and beginning to walk down and pray and kneel here. You're not going to be on your own. 
We're going to be cheering you on. And it's going to be the most important decision you can ever make. But it all begins by you really understanding, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. So, Father, man, thank you for this time in in your word. I've looked forward to this message. I, I think it can challenge us every year. Things we need to do before it's too late. Lord, our time is limited and the opportunities, some of those doors are shutting. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if we'll be here tomorrow. Holy Spirit, would you move in this moment? Oh God, I'm going to ask you once more. We've been asking you last night, early this morning, in the service, would you save somebody today? Give somebody that courage as we stand up and begin to sing. Give somebody that courage just to walk down and say, I need to be saved. And Lord, give Christ's followers a a renewed commitment. Lord, help us to put aside mediocrity and callous living and being okay with less than your best for our lives. Lord, help us to trust you like we really do need you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? God's beginning to work right now. As Andrew begins.